I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional. an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. Hello and welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Kathy from Kathy Critter Care is joining us to talk about her experience over the past 20 years in pet care. From how the business has changed and some opportunities that have come along with that, to how to avoid burning out and stay with it after all those years, and some advice that she would give to people who are just starting. I definitely think you guys are going to enjoy this. Kathy is wonderful to talk to, so let's get to it. I'm Kathy Vaughn. I'm all, I always hate doing this whole introduction thing. Hello, I'm Kathy Vaughn. Um, I own Kathy's Critter Care Professional Pet Sitting Services. We've been pet sitting in the San Antonio kind of metropolitan suburb area since 1998. Yes, way before um, the internet and email other than Juno. And yeah, we used to download with AOL and all those kinds of fun things. And um, so we've been around since 1998. Um, so we start, we're starting in 2020, our 22nd year. And I can't even imagine, I mean, that's just, it boggles my mind because the person that started this business in 1998 there's absolutely no way you could have told me that I would have been able to raise a family. My husband would have quit his job in 2006 to join me. And here we are 22 years later, still going strong. I would have said, yeah, I bet a million bucks you're wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's, yeah, we service San Antonio and, and the surrounding areas. You know, we do your standard pet sitting, drop-in visits, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hour long, daily dog walks, overnight stays, you know, the general pet sitting. So, so thinking back now, 22 years ago, how did you get started and, and, and why? What, what was the reason that you started pet sitting in the first place? Well, it was my husband's idea. So I have to attribute this fantastic business uh, plan, quote unquote, if you will, to him. We were struggling. Um, I had been a zookeeper at the San Antonio Zoo. I had a degree in zoology um, and I was, you know, living the dream. And then we started building our human family. And um, as much, much of the pet industry, the animal industry goes, you know, the San Antonio Zoo wasn't paying me very much money. Mm-hmm. So I really couldn't afford daycare for my human child and come home and, you know, be satisfied with my day's worth of work that was all going to daycare. So I left my job at the zoo and decided to be a stay-at-home mom. Well, quickly we realized that um, the only thing worse than two incomes, <laughs> barely being, it was one income. Barely. So I was happy at home with my human child, but we were still barely making it. So I knew I didn't want to do any of the multi-level type things. Um, I tried substitute teaching, but then again, we were back at the same position of I go to work and I substitute teach and then I am paying a daycare provider. So my husband stayed up one night. Um, he was watching Teletubbies with our infant son because he couldn't sleep. Um, <laughs> my husband. Um, and he was, you know, browsing around and he's like, you know what? I found something really cool on the mm-hmm. internet last night, pet sitting. And I'm like, pet sitting? Okay, tell me about that. He said, well, I bought a book. And my first question was, how much was the book? $30, which was $30 more than we could afford. Um, And I told him how crazy I thought he was because nobody's going to, in 1998, people just weren't going to pay somebody they didn't know Mm. to come into their house, take care of their pets. I'm like, you know, they're going to ask their friend, their neighbor, whatever. Um, 
So I said, I'll give it a shot. In the meantime, I had been doing some temp work at vet offices. And so I told a couple of vets that I had been temping for on the weekend that I was going to start doing this. And they said, okay, fantastic. Bring us some business cards. So I brought them some business cards. I brought them some brochures and lo and behold, um, one client turned into two, turned into four and so on and so forth. So um, that's how it started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I, I love that because everyone has different reasons for going into this. And, and what I, what I really enjoy hearing is that, you know, it, it just, it happened organically. Right. And, and as you mentioned, you know, now 22 years later, who would have thought, and I think a lot of people are kind of scared to get in because they may think, no, I have to have a fully fledged worked out plan for how I can get A to Z and how I can sustain year after year after year. But you know, you're, you're living proof that you don't, you don't have to do that. Like that's not necessary as, as long as you're, you're passionate and and you keep, you know, investing in, in providing quality service. Exactly. And we really bootstrapped our way up. And I think you're right. There are so many business books out there today that say you have to have a business plan and you have to have this marketing strategy. You know what? You can just do it. You can just start with a passion and a dream and you can bootstrap your way up with some business cards, some brochures, some great word of mouth. Of course, I firmly believe in education, insurance. You know, you want to do things that are smart and the right way. But you don't necessarily have to have an MBA or a business plan to make this work for you. And the the two things that my husband said to me that morning when he said I bought this book is he said, this is perfect for you because you love pets and you love people. And there are so many people out there who they, they say, I want to get into this because I love pets, but I really don't like people. Well, I have yet to find the dog that can run the credit card for the family. Right. So we, <laughs> You have to be somewhat accepting of people, but when you find this passion in this career field of pet care, you can do it. Mm. Yeah. So, so thinking back to when you first started, how have the services that you offered changed, and what what do you think drove any changes that you, that that are that are there? Well, at the time, we didn't even consider overnight care. Mm. Um, you know, we just didn't even think people would be looking for somebody to really spend the night in their house. So we've added that to our repertoire. We've added longer visits um, and we've added a lot more flexibility as far as timing goes. So we do early morning visits and we do late night visits um, just because, you know, people, they, they kind of have this framework in their mind of, oh, we can't do pet sitting for our pets because we would want them seen at seven o'clock in the morning. And then again, you know, as late as nine o'clock at night. So we kind of adjusted our times, but I would say the biggest addition for the pet sitting side of our business is the addition of overnights. Now I say the pet sitting side of our business because, um, nine years ago in 2020, November of 2020, we'll be hitting a 10 year birthday for our boarding business. So, um, nine years ago, we also opened a boarding facility too. So Hmm. that's a huge, you know, a huge shift too, because so many people, again, their framework of what, what's acceptable to them, what their idea of pet sitting is. Sometimes pet sitting just doesn't fit into what the family's looking for. So we also opened a boarding facility. Yeah. And so you're showing that, that it's being flexible and being adaptive to the needs that you're seeing around you and being responsive to that and, and taking a moment to go, is that a service I, I can offer? Is that a service I should offer? And if I do, you know, how, how can I best go about implementing that? Exactly. Spot on. Yep. So thinking kind of about the, the industry of pet care, 
what have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen over the past 20, 22 years? Well, of course, technology. So like I mentioned in 98, um, we would do phone calls. I had one of those huge um, write on calendars, like the dry erase calendars um, that I would keep appointments on. And then I went to paper calendars and then I went to Google calendars. So things have progressed so far in technology. Things are a lot easier now, but it sure keeps you plugged in a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say narrowing it down to one word that's a huge shift in, in the 22 years I feel like people don't trust as much. We used to have people go away on two week vacations um, to Montana or wherever. Right. And they would say, okay, no news is good news. And we would call them and let them know if we had a question or whatever. Well, today, if you don't check in from a visit, if you're not sending pictures, if you're not sending texts, the, you know, you're getting responses from clients. Like, have you been there? How are things going? How's the bathroom issue? It just seems to be like everybody wants tons of information. Um, so a huge shift in technology, both good and bad, right for the tools we can use, but sometimes just like really a, it's an Achilles heel because you constantly are connected to these clients and, and having to answer and, and be there for them. Yeah. So that kind of goes into my next question as far as like, what's been the biggest challenge. And so kind of like this, this two-sided double-edged sword of technology of it's, it's both a, a, a blessing because of how you know the services and connectivity that you can have, but you also, yeah, you, yeah. you are connected and, and so are your clients and they, they do, you know, there is an expectation there of responsiveness and connectivity at, at, at almost, you know, 24 seven. Right. And I feel like unless you really set those boundaries or you have a support system in place, you, you know, if it's an office assistant, if it's somebody who, who handles phone calls and texts when you're having dinner with your family, something along those lines, it's super easy to fall into the trap of being 24 seven on and then, you know, get reaching that point of, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> These people are driving me crazy. I'm going to have burnout, forget it. I'm done. You know, I'm just going to go back to my office job. So it's, it's really easy to get to that point unless you set some kind of a boundary or have something in place that can help you at least have a little bit of time off. How have you gone about setting those kind of healthy boundaries and and how has that worked out for you? And was that easy to implement? It's been a, you know, it's been a transition over the years. Thankfully, we didn't just flip a switch and go from post-it notes and MapQuest straight into GPS and texting 24-7. So we had some transition time. And I remember a time midway thinking, I'm just not going to text clients that, you know, that's just too much time out of my day. Well, if you choose to do that, that's okay. But realize the expectation is there these days. So, you know, you're going to have to find the certain kind of client that meets that criteria and they're not going to be expecting that. So, um, I, you know, my support staff is great. I have an office assistant who handles, um, most of the calls four days a week, most of the emails four days a week. She does not handle texts because we still haven't shifted. My, my biggest goal in 2020 is to find us a really reliable like, office phone system that we can do mobile where she can do texting and all that kind of stuff where she doesn't have to share her personal information. Mm. But um, I would say just having my team of pet sitters, having my staff where I can take a day off and not have any visits and have my office assistant handle all the phone calls and emails. <laughs> 
it's just like a breath of fresh air just to have a day off. Yeah. So, you know, some people may be hearing that going, oh, I wish that sounds great. So, you know, when did you make that decision to finally bring somebody on? And was that, was that an easy decision or, or, or how did that go? It actually was an easy decision and it wasn't mine. Just like the business wasn't my idea. I ran into a fellow pet sitter. I was doing some visits for her daughter here in San Antonio. She was, her daughter was a nurse and I was, um, I went over for the interview and talked to the mom. And so we talked about the dogs. We went on a little trial walk and all, you know, all the kind of stuff we always do. Right. So I got hired and, um, midway into the service, maybe two or three weeks down the road, doing walks while her daughter was at work. She messaged me or, or she emailed me. So uh, this was probably around 2001, 2002. So may have been an email or it may have been a phone call. And she said, you know, I'm a pet sitter up in Pennsylvania and you have a really good thing going. Have you considered hiring staff because you're going to get really busy? Mm. I said, oh, there's no way. I don't want to manage people. I don't know the first thing about that. I just want to take care of animals and meet, you know, meet the clients, meet the great pet owners. And she said, that's okay if you want to stay where you are, but I'm telling you, you're going to get busy. There's going to come a time that you're going to want some time off. And she said, you know, just try it out. Who do, who do you know out there that would be a good pet sitter with you? Well, like I said, I had worked at the zoo. I had tempted at vet offices. So I made a list of who the friends were that worked at the zoo, worked at the vet offices that I trusted, that I knew had a great work ethic, that I knew knew what they were doing and um, contacted them and said, hey, my pet sitting business is booming and I need some help. And um, three of them signed on. And then um, one of them, is still with me today. <laughs> oh my goodness. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> She's been with me for like 18 years or something crazy like that. She's wow. and she still at the San Antonio Zoo. So it was an easy transition to get into those first few employees. Now, has it been a challenge? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Have I hired some turkeys? Absolutely. <laughs> I've hired people that quit the second day. I've hired people that, you know, failed to check in with me from their visits, but I've also hired some great people who've made wonderful strides in my business who've been better pet sitters than I am. So it's, well, it's just one of those things. People always want to know what the magic pill is for hiring (laughs) people. I just wish I could ask the right questions. I wish Mm -hmm. I could, you know, have some sort of a x-ray that says, are you going to be a good pet sitter or are you not? I don't (laughs) really think that's out there. You just kind of have to try it out and go with the gut. Yeah. And I like the, you know, your approach of who in my either inner circle or close proximity of people mm-hmm. would I consider reaching out to? Because when you're bringing on somebody, it's, it's both the, the managerial side of it and it's the personal side of it. And, you know, bringing somebody on to help that, you know, personally can help to handle those kind of stresses. And then mm-hmm. you can deal with the managerial stuff, bring on someone brand new who you don't know from Adam. It's like, ah, it can be kind of overwhelming. You know, there are ways to prepare for that. But this kind of these small steps into, you know, build and learn experience, build and learn experience so that, you know, several years down the road, you kind of have a feel for what to expect. Exactly. What makes a good pet sitter? And I still use that technique. So when it's time to add to our team, I'll ask my current pet sitters, do you guys have anybody in mind that may be a good pet sitter? Because they know what it takes mm. to be good. Um, they know the stresses of the job. They know the early mornings, the late nights, the traffic, the 
diarrhea with the dog <laughs> jumping on you and all of the craziness that we see. So I still use that sort of inner circle approach, but that's not the only thing I use. So yeah, I use, I, you know, I've hired people sight unseen and a lot of them have been great. Some of them not, but a lot of them have been great. Just like with clients, right? I mean, a lot of our clients are fantastic and you think the one that you're really going to love turns out to just be like, Oh my gosh, they are certifiable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's and yeah. That's a reminder that when you're going through that process of doing, of when someone reaches out to you asking for you to provide service, that it's a two way interview. You, you know, and I, I think that's so hard to remember in the shuffle and the hustle and bustle and the busy and crazy days of, you as the business owner, you as the pet sitter, have power over that transaction too, and whether it takes place or not. Yeah. And and that that it, it is hard to remember that, but when you do, it's like, oh, it can be very empowering in those situations of no, I I don't have to take this on. I, I can say no. I can say no. It's kind of a right. revolutionary idea, but you know, you 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 make mistakes and you learn and you grow from that too. And sometimes it's hard. Well, most of the time it's hard for me to say no. Yeah. On- um, and I feel like a lot of people in our industry, we're not no sayers. We're yes sayers. We're caretakers. We're givers. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's difficult. But once you do it, and once you do it a couple times, it gets a little bit easier. It's never going to be easy, you know, to turn a client away or to decide this isn't a good fit or to find the right words to tell the client that. But it is important, again, going back to setting those boundaries and making sure that you're in this for the long term. If it's something that you want to do, for 5, 10, 15, 20 years or more that you've set some kind of boundaries for yourself, taking the clients that are a good match for you. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Susan from The Pet Gal has this to say. Time to Pet has helped us grow exponentially. We believe the platform's features make us by far more professional than other companies who use conventional dashboards. They are the software gurus constantly developing and improving the platform based on user feedback. This decision was a good one. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give time to pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. So thinking about clients, do, do you remember your first client when you just started out? I do. Her name was Nancy. Um, She's my house now is um, probably two miles from my first client's house. We had moved a couple times around here and there, but now we're back in the area. Um, Unfortunately, Nancy has passed away, Mm -hmm. but um, she had an awesome dog. And I remember that I got this client because I had advertised on a local, um, the PBS channel here does like an auction every year to raise money for the the local station. And so I had put some gift certificates out there. And how scary is that, right? Somebody's going to win your gift certificate and you have to provide service for them. (laughs) What a nightmare that could be. Um, But at the time, you know, I was just starting. How bad can it be? I had no lens to look through. Mm -hmm. She turned out to be fantastic. Wonderful dog. um, Fantastic client. Fantastic lady. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Those, those first, that first one always always sticks with you for sure, and it, and it really shapes. That's a, it's such a, a huge learning stepping stone for you when you're just starting off. You get you get your first client under your belt. You get those personal interactions. You start building some expectations, and it just it's such a huge change. 
It really is. I love that you asked that question too, because 22 years down the road, you know, I don't revisit that feeling very often of how nervous I was and is my paperwork right? And I'm going to ask the right questions and what is she going to think about me? So it was really, it's really fun to, to go back and, and rekindle those feelings of nervousness and how things have changed. And just to let people know, you know what, like Nike says, just do it. You're right. going to be fine. <laughs> Yeah. And, and sitting down sometimes and, and thinking back of, especially on those, those days where you don't, you know, you're not feeling the greatest or um, you don't feel like anything's different, you know, you know, as, as a technique, you can sit back and think, okay, where was I five years ago? Where was I 10 years ago? Wow. Oh my gosh. Like how much more has been put in place? How much more experience I have? It can, I, I like doing that sometimes, especially whenever you're having a really particularly hard client and just to go, Okay, like this is, we can get through this. Yeah, this too shall pass. Yeah, those hard clients, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so when you think about your services and the area that, that that you provide care to, what would you say sets you apart? I would say our longevity and our consistency. Mm. So if someone hires us to take care of their pets now, I can, you know, I can't guarantee that we're going to be around five years from now, but <laughs> there's a pretty good chance that we are going to be. Yeah. So we're not just in it as a, as a temporary thing. We're not just in it as a summer job or a winter break job or just between my real careers. This, this is my real career. This mm-hmm. is what I do to support my family. So we're going to be here. So consistency and we build relationships. Of course, most of the people that are listening to this podcast yeah build relationships with their clients because that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Um, Establishing that trust, building that relationship. You want to be there for them when they call, when their father-in-law has passed away and they need you tomorrow Mm -hmm. and it's holiday weekend. So um, consistency, reliability, and relationships. Yeah. Those, those relationships, especially, you know, with the, with the owners and with the clients, that's, that's so huge. And, and I think sometimes often overlooked or at least taken for granted the the amount of the trust and and care and um, you know almost love at times that 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 you share with with the owner because you both have concerns and caring and providing for the pet that they love and adore and to not take that for granted and to to really invest invest in that so that you know, year after year, you can continually provide that, that consistency of care. Right. Exactly. So thinking about community and, and relationships, what's the community like among pet care providers where you are? And, and, and do you find that you can lean on and interact and, and have a good relationship with them? Absolutely. We have a, we have a loose knit group here in the San Antonio area. Um, of course, we have our own Facebook group, which I'm sure most uh, a lot of your listeners do. And, and if you aren't part of a Facebook book, uh, Facebook group, sorry, whew, there I go, can't get a word out. Yeah. Facebook group in your area, search and see if there is one. And if not, start one and invite fellow pet sitters to join in because at least that's some sort of a support for you to a vent. <laughs> so there are huge national organizations that have. Um, Facebook groups, but sometimes when you get on there and you ask a question, you'll get like 700 responses. But with a local group, they're going to know 
more of what your microeconomy is and what things are looking like and even weather issues and things like that. (laughs) We have this um, group here in San Antonio. We have the Facebook group and every once in a while we'll get together, have like a late breakfast or an early lunch, you know, in between those morning visits and the midday run so that we can all get together and have a bite to eat and just reconnect and talk about what's been going on, how business is. But you know what? Mostly it's just to see each other face to face and to know that we're still out there in the trenches and and things are going well. And um, we have a really great group of pet sitters here. There are so many dogs and cats in neighborhoods, family seeking pet sitting, that it's not a competitive environment. It can Mm. be super cooperative. So that's what we focus on is cooperation instead of competitiveness. Right. And I I think that's generally the biggest fear that maybe someone new to pet sitting or or maybe just a, a something that they have in their brain of, well, I can't talk to them because they're my competition. They might mm-hmm. steal clients from me. But when you're saying this, like, no, it's just to come together, have coffee together and, and talk about struggles right. and and to have people that you can you know, refer people to if it's not a good fit for you or, or whatever, but just to have a, a, a personal relationship that someone can relate to the same things and same issues and same concerns that you're dealing with is, is priceless. Right. And if you, if you have the opportunity to go to one of these networking meetings in your area, even if you can only make it for 10 or 15 minutes between visits, just go. Um, those 10 or 15 minutes of connecting with people and putting a face to a name are really priceless because those are people that are going to, are going to be your support group there in the area. So don't think that because they say, you know, we're going to meet from 10 to 1130. You're like, well, there's no way I can do that. I have an phone <laughs> cat to see and I'll have, you know, this and this and this and this dog walk. Just go for a few minutes, introduce yourself and say, Hey. Right. And just start becoming and in, in, in plugging into that, that resource. Yeah. And again, if it's not there in your area, don't hesitate to start it because it's obviously needed. So, yeah. Right. So you mentioned a word earlier, being down in the trenches of (laughs) of the business. Can you describe one of those not so good days in this business? And and I think more importantly, how you cope with that? Yeah. Um, We've had, and this is, this goes back to people not wanting to share, you know, the bad times because they think it looks like, failure on their part. You know, stuff is going to happen. Insert whatever word you want to for stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff is going to happen. This is a business. You're dealing with real people. You're dealing with live animals. Stuff's going to happen no matter how much you prepare. There are so many variables in this business. We've had dogs get out, um, get lost. We've chased dogs through fields for days and nights and I feel like such a failure on those days. And of course the people are not happy. And the one instance that comes to mind that the lady wasn't happy, it really wasn't even our fault that the dogs got out. Um, She had a doggy door. She had a side gate that blew open and her dogs got out. And when we went for the visit, the dogs were out, Mm. but she still wasn't happy. And of course, like I said, we're givers, we're yes sayers, we're caretakers. So when somebody's not happy with us, it hits home. You know, it's, this is a personal business. It's not corporation. Even if you are incorporated, I guarantee you it hits your heart when somebody's not happy with you. So take a deep breath. Know that this too shall pass. 
do what you can to fix the problem. Of course, at, at the present time, you know, find the dogs, get the sick pet to the vet, um, fix the door that the key broke off in. We've had that happen too. We've lost keys. We, you know, we've dropped keys. We have a key in our hand and we drop it on a deck and it falls underneath the deck. Like what are the odds of that happening? Right. So <laughs> you name it and the stuff has happened to us, but we fix the problem in the present. We take a deep breath. We know that this too shall pass and we learn from it. So we put a ribbon on the keychain, something to make it not fall through the deck, you know, for all future clients. We make sure people lock their gates instead of just leaving them latched because wind can blow it open. Our kids can be pranksters and come by and open it up. We make sure we do a, a check on every single pet, every single visit so that nobody ever is ill the next time we go and we're not sure if we saw them before. Mm-hmm. Every opportunity, every time you feel like you've failed is definitely an opportunity for growth. Acknowledging that it happened. And then, as you mentioned, breathe and then learn from it and continue to make improvements. And if that's writing it down and sitting and thinking about, okay, how can I make this problem go away? Or this feeling was really crummy. I didn't like feeling that. What kind of assistance can I seek out to deal with that? Or what kind of procedures can I put into place? Or what kind of training can I get? Looking to that positive is 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 going to help you when you're down in those trenches. And then reaching out to that community that you're either attending or you started to learn and grow from them too. And not being scared to share. And, you know, something I realized about myself a long time ago is it takes me about three full days, whether it's my fault or not, it takes me about three full days to get past a traumatic event that has happened in my business before mm-hmm. I can actually start unpacking everything like logically. So for those first three days, I'm emotional and it's all I can think about. And it's just over and over in my mind. And then by about day three, I can go, okay, let's take a look at this and really look at it logically. (laughs) So knowing yourself too, and whatever resources you have for diving deep into your own psyche and knowing what drives you is important too. Yeah. Yeah. So after, after 20, 22 years now, how do you keep going? Because I love this. This is what I was meant to do. Like my husband said, I love pets. I love people. Um, the business, I visualize this living, breathing thing. So there are times when we're slower and it's kind of like a contraction period. There are times of growth and this expansion and this big breath of fresh air. Um, but really, even on the really crappy days, I love this job because I know after being, I was only in the real workforce for a handful of years, right? I I worked from the time I was 16 until I was 27-ish, 28-ish. I didn't have to deal with the corporate stuff too much, but I know even from my jobs that I was in, there's nothing more appealing to me than doing this career. Then loving these pets and caring for these pets and bringing the knowledge and the education that we have into these households and really doing a damn good job for these families. Um, I mean, it just, it's so rewarding for me for people to know that there are professionals out there, like everybody listening to this podcast that can come into their home and know what they're talking about and do what they say they're going to do. That acknowledgement of, man, like this 
this is a service I can provide and I can knock it out of the park. And having that confidence to be able to, to say, yes, I can meet your needs. Yes, I can provide this service. Like that is, that is a very fulfilling thing to be able to meet their needs. And as you mentioned earlier, we're, we're care providers. We love making people and, and pets happy. That's just what we do. That's how we're wired. And so whenever those, when how you're wired starts meshing with what you're doing, it's magic. And even, so there's a saying what, like, um, the, even the worst day fishing is better than the best day at work. Yeah. I often think of that. I'm like, even the worst day pet sitting is better than the best day at a corporate job. Or what? <laughs> <laughs> so, you yeah. know, there, some days are a stretch. I'll give you that, you know, and holidays are rough and early mornings and late nights. And you feel like, oh my gosh, I've got 10 more visits tomorrow. And then Sunday I have this many and it's just on and on. But that's where you really maybe need to take a, a step back and take a break and look at, um, you know, what you can do, maybe staffing wise, or just take a little break and let your clients know that you're going to be off a couple days. Right. Right. So if someone's just getting into this business, they're just starting out, what kind of advice would you give them? I would say expect to work a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as easy as you think it is. Um, expect great things, expect great rewards, um, expect small surprises as in, um, pets that you may really connect with that you weren't, that you didn't think you would expect to be proud of yourself. Mm. The working, I think really, if I had to narrow it down, I would just tell people expect to really work. You know, it seems like the kind of job where people say, oh my gosh, you're a pet sitter. How awesome is that? You get to play with dogs all day. You get to go on dog walks. You must Mm -hmm. be in really great shape. And you know, it's really not that it's hard work. It's getting up early. It's making sure that your car has enough gas and you didn't have time to get an oil change last month because you were so stinking busy. So you're going to have to put in the hours. Um, you know, to get those clients rolling. Yeah. I think I think another really common question is when people are just starting out: are do, do I need to get any sort of certifications or training? And and I'd wonder what what you would recommend to somebody if they ask that. I really like certifications, um, like from the national organizations and things like that, because I feel like they have really great information, um, things that you may not have thought about. Um, different types of pets that you may be asked to care for. Mm. There's so many backyard chickens now. I mean, (laughs) 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 who would have thought pets that involve chicken care? But yeah, I I believe in certifications. Is it absolutely necessary to get started? No. But is it a great safety net to have? Yes. Um, I definitely believe in insurance because you want to have that safety net set up. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then when you belong to a, a a group of pet sitters, it gives you credibility. So we're all quote unquote competing against a lot of, um, startup hobbyists, whatever you want to call them. So whatever you can do to establish your credibility in here's what I know, here's the certification that I have. Of course, you want to definitely learn the material, not just get the certification for the piece of paper, mm-hmm. because you may have to prove that, you know, the proof is in the pudding. If somebody asks you to take care of their chickens, or if you have an emergency and you have to know pet first aid right off the bat. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I like that, that, you know, seeking after certifications is, is really, 
yes, it's about putting it in your information when people see your website. But as you said, more importantly, it, it's about you seeking out information, you learning things, you growing and you investing in yourself so that you, you do continue to, to grow and, and learn new things over time. And you may surprise yourself and find out that you actually do love taking care of parrots or something crazy, right? So there's so many avenues we can take out there as pet sitters and so much growth opportunity. Don't get stuck in that tunnel vision of, of here's what I do day in and day out. Allow yourself to grow, allow yourself to learn. And that'll give you that breath of fresh air that you may need to. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when people are starting out, they're putting everything together. What would you say are some of the biggest pitfalls that you can get into? Hmm. That's tough. So, uh, inflexibility. Mm. I, I really think a good pet sitter really does need flexibility. In you know, maybe you're not going to take care of very large dogs, or you're not going to walk very large dogs, but um, have some flexibility in the types of clients you're going to take. If okay, when I first started, and I don't know if this is true for you too. When I first started, I kind of took every client that I could. <laughs> what? Yeah. No. Yeah. 100%. We did. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care if they were far away. I mean, there was some kind of geographical boundaries, but they've really shrunken up over the years. But I took people that were far away. I took big dogs and I took people that told me that their dog was a challenge. And it was, you know, learning and growth. So um, be flexible be open-minded, try to understand that you're there as a service provider. So you're not there to preach to them about how they should take care of their dog. We all want, we all want all of our clients to use the right leashes and feed the right food and provide the right exercise. And there will be times that you can provide that information to people. But I feel like sometimes people come across a little bit preachy. Um, and it may turn people off, but flexibility. Um, yeah, I don't know what more I can add to that. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. Know no, I, and not having a safety net, you know, you really need to have, what if something happens to you? What if you're in a car accident and you're carted off to the hospital unconscious? What kind of safety net do you have to take care of those pets that you really love and care for? That was yeah. another I know that was a big learning curve for us. I mean, when we first started, we did. We took on every single person that even kind of looked at us as a possibility, regardless of what they were willing to pay or how many pets that they had. And it and it ran us right to the ragged edge of what we were capable of sustaining. And we had no safety net. And there were several times when we were just starting out where it came really close to not being able to provide service because we were run ragged. And, and, and that is something that you can, it's very easy to fall into that, that I must say yes to everybody because what if they say no and I need to grow, but I don't have a backup plan in case I can't meet all those expectations that people have placed on me. And you can put yourself in a really dangerous situation. Yeah. There's that balancing scale for sure. So speaking to maybe non-pet sitters, what do you wish more people in the general public knew about life as a pet sitter? That it is hard work, that we are getting up at the crack of dawn. A lot of us are um, to go take care of pets. We're working weekends and holidays. When everybody else is cooking a turkey or getting their boat ready to go out on the lake, we're super busy. 
So it's a challenging job. We're not the kid down the street. It's not all fluffy puppies and, and jogs down the street with the perfectly well-behaved dog. It's hard. Um, and it's a real job. It's a real career. It's not something that just anybody can or should do. And it's not just something that you should trust anybody with. Um, so many people say their pets are, you know, their little children and obviously their homes are one of their most valuable assets. So it's always this, um, it's this weird, ironic thing to me that they would hire somebody that's, you know, their cousin's brother-in-law's friend from work who's 12 (laughs) to take care of their big golden doodle who's, you know, super active and tears up their blinds if left out of the crate. I'm like, really? Okay. So what part of that picture was wrong? So, yeah, I just want them to know that it's legitimate, that we're, we're real people that, um, really take our careers seriously and we do educate ourselves and we have the best interest for their pets and their homes in mind. Yeah. I love, I love that, that it is a career. We are professionals and we provide great service and it's not easy. Not everyone can do it. Cause I think so often people do fall into that. Well, why don't I just pay the high schooler down the street? Or, mm-hmm. you know, they say anyone can do that job. I'm like, well, anyone could do anything, but not everybody can do it well or provide the level of service that I can. And, That's and- so true. Yeah. I could probably <laughs> bricks, but I don't know if the house would still be standing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't say that to the roofer or the plumber that comes in <laughs> or the person or their mechanic, you know. Right. And, so that- and I think maybe that goes back to why it is important to maybe have some of those certifications, insurance, things like that in place so that it does really set the bar of here's who I am and yeah. why it's important. This is important to me because I am a professional. Kathy, I really appreciate you coming on our show today and, and sharing about your experience and how you've grown and, and what you've learned from it all over these, uh, over the course of these, these years. Um, and I know we only touched on a little bit of it. So how can people get in touch with you, ask some follow-up questions and, and follow along with your work? So you can always reach me by email. Um, my email address is mypetsitter, S-I-T-T-E-R, online at gmail.com. Email is a great way to get in touch with me. Um, I'm also on Facebook um, at, you can either search for Kathy's Critter Care or um, facebook.com slash cccpetsitting. And I'm on Facebook quite a bit. Awesome. Wonderful. Again, thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely. Thanks, Colin. One of the themes that came up time and time again was the importance of loving pets and people. That when you are consistent, reliable, and you invest in the relationships around you, you'll go a long way, not just with clients, but also within the pet sitting community where you live. Hope you guys reach out to Kathy and ask her any questions. She's so encouraging and such a wonderful person to talk to. We also want to thank our sponsor, Time to Pet. If you have any questions or feedback or a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram at petsitterconfessional. Find us on Twitter at psconfessional as well. And don't forget to check out our show notes and for all of our past episodes as well at our website, petsitterconfessional.com. You can click on this episode or any other episode and see links to products or things mentioned, as well as see uh, rough transcripts of the show and a general outline. One of the most common questions we've been getting since the start of the new year has been, what conference do you recommend? Well, 
We've been doing some interviews, and this Friday, we're releasing a bonus episode where we talk to some of the CEOs and founders of the biggest conferences going on in 2020. Look out for that wherever you listen to your podcasts.